please turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 7, starting from verse 1. Uh, last week, we started uh, a, a mini-series uh, called Gospel Transformed Relationships. You know, relationship with God is, is a purpose for all of our relationships with each other. And only when we're in right relationship with God can we experience right relationship with each other. And so this week, we're going to focus on the topic of relationship with God as a single person. So I'm going to start off by preaching on this topic, and then afterwards we're going to actually hear uh, some, some sharings and discussions uh, from some uh, other brothers and sisters who are single uh, on this topic. But I, I want to start with this. God has a purpose for believers who are single. God has a purpose for, for them individually as his child. God has a purpose for them as part of the church community. He has a purpose for them to show the world his beauty and his love in a unique way. God's purpose for single people are good and amazing. And that, that's our main point for this morning. Main point for this morning is this. God has good things for his single children. Trust him and seek them out. God has good things for his single children. Trust him and seek them out. And this is an important message for each person listening, whether you are currently single or not. It's important because most of you will be single sooner or later. It's important because single believers are important members of the church. And those of us who are married need to understand them better because they're part of the church body that we're called to care and to understand. It's important because singleness is a gift from God that believers fail to enjoy because we don't believe it's a gift. Singleness is a gift to the church body, and single people have an important role to play to build up the church and to make disciples. But it's often not seen as a gift to the church community. It's more, it's more of a problem to be solved. Singleness is a gift for each individual believer who is single to experience God's goodness and blessing in a unique way. But many times, believers miss out on this blessing that God has for them in their singleness because they don't trust that God has really given it to them as a good gift. God has good things for his single children. Trust him and seek it out. One of our values as a church is love for God's diverse family. In this passage in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, which hopefully you have in front of you, it addresses a diversity of life circumstances. It's written for a whole church community to read together so that they can understand how to encourage each other to love God in their different circumstances. So, so my hope and prayer for this morning is that EEC would better understand the importance and needs of single believers and that this would help us better love and to serve each other with our gifts. So again, 1 Corinthians 7, I'm going to read verses 1 to 10, and then I'm going to read verses 35 to 40. 
just follow along as, as I read and then encourage you to have the Bible in front of you. You can just download it on an app. One of our value, another value of our church is God's word truthfully preached and obeyed. And if we value that, we're going to be looking at God's word, seeing that what comes out from the pulpit is really what God is saying. So starting from verse one. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. But then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not as a command, I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say, it is good for them to remain single as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this charge, not I, but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And the husband should not divorce his wife. Just jump down to verse 36. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry, it is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined this in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, but only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is, and I think that I too have the Spirit of God." Long Bible passage, keep your eyes on the passage. I'm going to outline what it's saying to us. See, this passage addresses many different circumstances of being single. So I'm going to start at the end of the passage, starting from verse 39. It's talking about those who were previously married but are now single because their spouse has passed away. Verse 36, those who have never been married but are still deciding whether to get married to a specific believer, specific person. Verse 37, those who are single because they decided not to marry even though they had the chance to. Verse 9, there are those who are single and really don't like being single and strongly desire to marry someone. And verse 8, they all fall under the category of being unmarried or single. Now, in all of these situations, God says it's okay and it's good to marry. So verse 9, the person who strongly desires to be married should marry. It, sa it says that. Verse 36, the engaged couple is free to marry. It's no sin. 
In fact, verse 38, in marrying, a person does well. Verse 39, the widow is also free to marry. Now, the two conditions for Christian marriage in this passage is that first, the other person must be a Christian. The person must be in the Lord. That's what verse 39 says. And verse 39, if there was a previous marriage, the spouse has to have passed away. Now, in all of these diverse circumstances of singleness, there is a repeated encouragement and reminder for us that singleness is good. So verse 8, it is good to remain single. Verse 37, the person who decides not to marry does well. In fact, in verse 38, it uh, tells us they do even better than those who are married. Verse 40, the single widow is happier to remain single. So singleness in all kinds of circumstances is good. That's one of the key points repeated over and over again in this passage. But, but it doesn't stop there because this passage tells us that singleness in some ways is, is better than marriage. And the point is not that marriage is second best or that believers should, should all be single. You know, verse 40, Paul makes it clear that he's not giving a command. He's giving his own judgment. The point is that there are good things in the Lord that only single people have the privilege to enjoy, and that's also true of marriage. Paul is speaking as a single believer. He himself is single. He's sharing his own experience of living as a single believer, and Paul has definitely experienced many hardships. He's not discounting those but he feels that the blessing he has received from God is so good, he is encouraging believers who are single to, to seek it out, seek out that blessing. Because Paul isn't just a single believer, he's an apostle of God. He is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and he's not giving a command from God here, but he is sharing a faith perspective a faith perspective on singleness that he wants believers to adopt and to think about. And so he reminds them at the very end of this passage, verse 40, that he does have the Spirit of God. Paul's positive view on singleness is something that God wants all believers to have. And here's where the challenge begins. You know, you know God in his word has just called believers to embrace singleness as important and good. But many believing singles are, are struggling in, in your own experience to see it as good. And, and the cultural backgrounds that many of us come from views singleness very negatively. No, we've grown up being told that marriage is the natural next step in life. No, marriage is essential to become a full-grown adult. Marriage is needed for a happy and fulfilled life. No, singleness is not normal. It should not be the ideal. But these beliefs are wrong. It's the exact opposite of what we've just read, what God has just told us in, in the Bible. But we've grown up in a culture with these views that's influenced us to view faith and singleness incorrectly. 
And here's where we need to start to let God's word renew our minds. The, the, the key to changing our experience isn't changing our external circumstances. It's reorienting our hearts internally to trust in God's word. God has good things for his single children. Trust him and seek it out. God has good things for you if you're single. Trust him and seek it out. God has good things for you as a single child of his. Trust him and seek it out. Now to help us really believe and act on this in faith, we need to start thinking about some of these wrong views on singleness and how God's word corrects those wrong views. And there's a lot that can be said this morning, but I'll focus on three key points. And the first point is this. Singleness is a gift to be enjoyed and used for God. Every circumstance of being single is a gift. So look at verse 7. I wish that all were as I am, but each has his own gift, one of one kind and one of another. So again, this passage is about the many different circumstances in marriage and singlehood. You know, whether it's the first marriage or remarriage, whether it's always single or single again. And it's in this context that Paul talks about each person having different gifts. Each has his own gift, one of one kind, one of another. Paul has just finished talking about marriage in verses 1 to 6. And he's about to talk about all the other circumstances of singleness and marriage again. The point here is that Paul's situation of singleness is a gift from God, but so is every situation of singleness and marriage that he's going to talk about, that a believer is in. Singleness and marriage are equally good gifts, but different. And the gift of singleness is not just limited to people who choose to stay single to serve God, but to those who find themselves single because of varying circumstances. And this is a very, very important point. It's, it's wrong to, and, and it's actually spiritually harmful to believe that singlehood is a special calling from God reserved for super spiritual Christians. No, God does not choose certain believers and give them a supernatural ability to, to feel nothing and be single, to have no desires at all in, in, in being single. No, singleness is a gift like marriage. You know, mar married people, let me tell you, I'm a married person. Married people do not have the unique supernatural power to sacrificially and faithfully love their spouse like Jesus does. If that's the case, then I think if we were to be honest, you know, all of the married believers here would admit that they don't have the gift of marriage. We, we, we fail in so many ways to supernaturally love our spouse like Jesus. But God does give married believers supernatural love in their marriage as they live in relationship with him, as they trust him in faith and repentance. And in a similar way, God provides good things for single believers to live in as they obey and trust him. But God does so much more than that. God empowers believers through the Holy Spirit to make their current circumstances of singleness or marriage a gift to build God's 
kingdom. And in this sense, singleness and marriage are spiritual gifts. They are charismata. The word is used for other spiritual gifts. The Spirit empowers our situations for His work in unique ways. There are things that only single people can do for God's kingdom. There are things that only married people can do, but they're both good. They're both from God. God wants us to enjoy them. Now, we're told some aspects of this gift of singleness in this passage. You know, verse 20, singlehood is a gift that spares believers from worldly troubles. Verse 32, singlehood is a gift that keeps believers focused in their heart and mind on their relationship with God. And there's so much more about the gift of singleness that I could talk about right now. But, but before we even think about those things, there's actually a more foundational issue that needs to be resolved. And it's an issue of your relationship with God. Do you trust that God is a good father who has given you a good gift to be enjoyed and used? Because for many believers, singleness is like an unwanted gift. You look at it, you don't want to open it, you don't want to use it because it's not the gift that you wanted. And many times there are negative and accusing thoughts about God's intentions for you. You question God, like, God, why are you cursing me to be single? God, why are you punishing me? And this is where you need to repent. Because God is a good father who gives you good gifts, and he knows you. James 1.17, every good and perfect gift from above comes down from the Father of heavenly lights. God is a good Father who gives good gifts to his children. We need to trust that. That's the first step to experiencing the blessing that God has for you. Now, now if you're single and you want to be married, that isn't to say that you shouldn't look for it. Yes, you can ask for marriage and you can seek it according to the commands that God has given. But as you're looking for marriage, don't miss out on the gift of singleness. There, there is a goodness and blessing of currently being single that God wants you to enjoy through trusting him. And who knows, maybe as you start to open the gift and use it, you'll find that it's actually good. And you'll be able to relate to this Bible passage you know, when Paul says, you know, a single believer does even better. Now, EEC as a whole church community also needs to embrace God's gift of singleness. Because if we actually believe that singleness is a gift from God, it would completely change our approach to those who are single. Right? Single believers are not projects that we need to work on by getting them married. Single believers are important gifts to the body. We need their love and service in our life. We need to invite them to serve us. We need to encourage them to serve in the church community because God has given them to us for his work, for our good. Singleness is a gift to be enjoyed and used for God. Now, there are two negative views about singleness that that, I, that we're going to address this morning. These are probably some of the key ones. And the first is this. 
single is not incomplete or lacking. Single is not incomplete or not lacking. It's wrong to believe that singleness defines a person's state of wholeness or completeness, or that a person is any less of a person because they are single. It's wrong to think that it's not normal for someone to stay single past a certain age. No, we shouldn't tell people you need to find your other half. It's wrong to think that single people are, are less responsible or, or more selfish just because they're single. We need to go back to God's word. You know, verse 7, Paul encourages single believ believers to be like him. And if being single was a hindrance to one's spiritual development and character, then Paul wouldn't advocate for it. Because the reality is being selfish isn't dependent on being married or single. It's dependent on your relationship with God, the state of your heart. There are single people who have given themselves selflessly in service to God. And there are single people who use their freedom selfishly. There are married people who are just so focused on themselves that you rarely see them serving other people except themselves. There are also married people who work together to serve God sacrificially. See, it's really about relationship with God, not about these circumstances. But even more importantly, I want to point us back to Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, was a perfect, complete human being. He never married, but he lacked nothing. He taught us that the ultimate state of completeness for human beings isn't marriage to a person, it's relationship with God. So in Mark 12, 25, Jesus teaches, when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. See, in the new heavens and earth, people will not live in marriage relationship to each other. We will all live in deep, satisfying relationship with God. Single and married is not the definition of human completeness. Relationship to God is. Jesus' life pointed people to their ultimate purpose, relationship with God in heaven. And believers who are single have the privilege of being like Jesus in this unique way. Jesus faced all of the challenges and temptations of being single. Just think about it. He is the firstborn in an in a Eastern Jewish culture. That pressure to be married so big on him. He faced all of those temptations and challenges. And believers who are single get the privilege of knowing Jesus more by experiencing similar challenges and temptations. Single is not incomplete or lacking. Lastly, single does not mean less fulfilled or happy. It's wrong to believe that life as a single is less enjoyable or fulfilling as a married life. That's what verse 40 tells us. Verse 40 tells us there's a way for single Christians to be happier as they are, and this specific situation is talking about a single widow, and think about what this means. Right, think about it. Maybe this widow has kids. Maybe she's young and she could easily start another family. Yet the perspective that we're encouraged to consider is that she could be happier not being married at this point. Now, now, now underneath, underneath this belief that single is not as enjoyable or fulfilling as marriage it is a deeper lie that we've come to believe. 
It's the lie that romantic relationship is the ultimate form of happiness and fulfillment. It's a lie that romance is where we find the intimacy and connection that we're truly looking for. It's the idolatry of romance, looking to romance for only what God can truly provide. God tells us that the way to experience deep, satisfying intimacy relationship on earth is not in romance. The deepest relational aspect of humans is not fulfilled in the sexual and romantic. It's fulfilled, verse 35, in living with undivided devotion to the Lord. That's what Paul wants from both singles and married. And Jesus tells us that as he lived on earth, he lived such a full, satisfying life because of his relationship with God the Father. He would seek God the Father out in prayer. He tells us in John 4.32 that he has food to eat that his disciples did not know about through doing the will of the Father. Jesus was the most complete and most satisfied human being on earth because he lived in perfect relationship with his Father as his child. Singleness and intimacy and fulfillment are not alternatives. God has good things for his single children. Trust him and seek it out. So that's, so that's God's word. That's what it says. We're going to shift gears a bit because this is a big topic. And I think it's good for us to hear uh, maybe experiences from uh, other brothers and sisters who are single and, and how they sort of process this content, um, process these truths. Uh, so I'm going to invite uh, Elizabeth and Ryan to, to come up. Um, and we're going to have a, a discussion, a discussion about some of the things we've just talked about. Um, so I'll, maybe I'll give a brief introduction first. Uh, so Elizabeth is a believer who's had a long time connection uh, with EEC. She's been involved in Christian ministry for, for a very long time. And she's had the chance because of COVID to worship with us regularly. It's been such a blessing for us uh, to have her worship with us. And uh, as I've come to know her, um, you know, myself and the leaders feel that she's somebody who has a lot to encourage us with in, in, in her sharing. So we've asked her to come and share her experience with us. Uh, let's welcome her up. Uh, second person is a brother in Christ. He's been you know, a member of EUC for the past two years. He's basically involved in every single ministry. Um, his name is Ryan Lamb. I don't know if there's much more to say. Let's welcome him up. All right, so thank you for being so brave, Elizabeth and Ryan. Uh, thank you for just being willing to share your hearts with us and your experiences. Um, you know, maybe, maybe before we jump into some questions, uh, I'm sure that there are a lot of people who, who don't know you guys. So maybe we can just start off with some brief introductions. Um, maybe Elizabeth, just share a little bit about yourself. Could I ask that nobody takes pictures while I'm speaking? And if you did already, please kindly delete it. Thank you, appreciate that. I trust that the mic will come on at some point, but it's a great privilege and joy to be with you all and to have a chance to share. I really want to say thank you to Pastor Evangel and to EEC because I've been in many different churches uh, in different places around the world, and this is one of the very few places that actually even talked about singleness other than very, you know, in a, in a very passing way. I cannot think of the last time I heard a message actually uh, given on, on singleness, far, far less having 
the chance to participate in a, in a discussion about it. So I'm grateful for that. I have been in ministry uh, in different places around the world. Um, I grew up here in Hong Kong. And um, yes, as a young person, I really wanted to be married. But as I look back over my life and what Pastor Evangel was saying in his message, there is a great deal of fulfillment and joy that God gives you. He doesn't sort of just open uh, heaven's window and dump a bucket on you all at once. I think what we find in life, and this is true even if you're much younger than me, you know, gradually God's blessings come bit by bit as we, as we need them and we grow into them. And that's really been my experience. Um, I remember a very surprising, almost funny incident. My um, mother and father were unusual in as much as they never pressured me about getting married. But one day, this was, uh, you know, I'd been single. I, I, I was probably close to 40. I don't remember, but it, I was not young. And all of a sudden, one time, my mother said to me, what about considering getting together with this guy? I just about fell over. It was such a shock. And it was at that point I realized that it was a bigger shock and a bigger stress for me to think about getting married than it was to stay single. That's all I'm <laughs> going to say for right now. <laughs> Thank you for that awesome introduction, Elizabeth. Uh, so Ryan, uh, I mean, I guess your experience may be different. You're, you're, you're just a little younger than Elizabeth and, you know. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> Can maybe introduce yourself, maybe what are the places you've called home and different circumstances of singleness you found yourself in recently? Mm -hmm. uh, so I, uh, a little bit about my how I came to faith uh, and background would be uh, I heard more about Jesus in school and then uh, I experienced a failed relationship in, in middle school and then uh, it was very sad. So in my heartbrokenness, like, I found my comfort and my identity in uh, pornography and um, shallow relationships as well as uh, my status and reputation that I built for myself in high school, uh, mainly in sports and music. And then I only like started taking my relationship with God more seriously after high school. And some places that I've called home would be Toronto and Hong Kong. And then uh, life circumstances, uh, basically, I came to Hong Kong, and then uh, in the past two years, I've moved locations, uh, homes, like five different places, and yeah, also experienced uh, the death of my grandmother, and currently, I'm not living with my family, uh, just living by myself and renting a place. So, so your family is, your immediate family is in Toronto, and you're sort of the only one here, you're on your own? Yes, that's correct. Okay, great, thank you guys for being so open and honest and sharing your some of your stories with us. Um, maybe we'll sort of jump into some, some deeper questions. Um, you know, one, one of the things that we, we saw in, in the Bible was that being single allows you to grow your relationship with God in, in a unique way. Elizabeth, you started sharing about it already, but maybe you can give us you know, a bit more detail in terms of how has God used singleness to grow your relationship with Him? Well, I kind of maybe would like to look at it from perhaps a slightly negative viewpoint in the sense of, um, you know, we've heard about marriage, uh, many of us talk about marriage, many of us are in marriage relationships. And I wish I could say that all the marriage relationships I've observed have been good ones or happy ones. Uh, they've not been. 
And very recently, just within the last few months, um, I was very deeply saddened to hear of the breakup of two marriages. People that I had known, one of them I'd really, well, both sets of marriages I'd really looked up to. One was an elder in a church that I belonged to. Uh, he was actually the missions pastor of that church. He traveled all around the world. He had a job in telecoms. And apparently for many, many years, he had had another long-term relationship in a different continent. And I found this out of probably less than a year ago. His wife said to me, Andy decided he didn't want to be married to me anymore, and he brought his other wife over. They got married. I was just, uh, uh, and to this moment, you can see, I have a, ha a hard time even thinking about it. The other marriage was not unlike that. A wonderful couple, really devoted to serving God and to giving tremendously financially to God's work. And then all of a sudden, a few months ago, my friend wrote to me and said, Dave decided he didn't want to be married to me anymore, and he's gotten married to somebody else. And I think that the thing about you know, relationship with God in singleness versus in marriage, I won't say this is necessarily true for everybody. It's not always been true for me. But I think there's an opportunity when you're single to be more transparent before God and before other people. I think for people who are in a marriage relationship that isn't happy and isn't going where God wants it to go, there are many, many opportunities for Satan to come in and make you, you know, develop layers and layers and layers of deceptiveness. And I think that's very, very sad. And so I would say that in a single life, a relationship with God is something that can be very transparent and maybe something that... Um, just like a candle flame, you know, it's, it's very alone in the dark, but it's also something that's very beautiful. Uh, thanks for sharing, Elizabeth. You know, when you were sharing, I just think about when Paul is talking about worldly troubles and, and, you know, the heartbreak and some of the complications of relationships is probably one of that. And just your experience of, of appreciating and really being thankful for how simple your relationship with God can be. Thanks for sharing. Um, uh, Ryan, um, maybe we'll ask you, I mean, one of the other things we... Yeah, you know, from God, that God promises is that He'll really provide for us a, as a good Father in all of our circumstances, and specifically singleness for, for this week. So, what, what are some, some of the ways you've seen God's you know provision and blessing in your life? Uh, I think one of the uh, in terms of relationships is uh, through uh, the EEC community, church community. Um, uh, most evidently, would be like uh, the providence by God um, by having uh, a mentor relationship that my brother in the church also uh, extended to me. And I think God like knew that I really had been desiring a mentor-mentee relationship for a long time, like since 2010. I also like could see the growth and benefits of that in my other friends from other churches. And yeah, so it's like, I find out that they actually have their own like spiritual mentors that has helped them grow in maturity. So I was like, well, I want something like that too. And then, but for a long time, like since 2010, like I've been actively like reaching out to people that I think are potential good uh, mentors, but then like just one after the other, like just not really pulling through until just like last year, so. Yeah, so it seems to really seen God provide through through the people, people in his church, just having a heart just to serve you in different ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
Well, I'm sure there's much more you guys could share on those two questions, and, and I'm sure they'll be open to discussing more a, a afterwards. But but let's move on. Um, you know, there's so many wrong beliefs about singleness, and I know I was only able to address you know like two of them. But maybe maybe you guys can share for yourselves. What are the wrong views of singleness that you've personally found challenging, and, and what's helped you to overcome them? And maybe we'll start with Elizabeth. Yeah, I think um, all of us here who are single, or perhaps even for those who for some reason were married and no longer are married. There's a sense of kind of inferiority. Uh, you know, there is, as Pastor Evangel was saying, the perception can be that there's something wrong with you, uh, that you're, you're not complete. Um, and that is something where, again, I think, you know, tying it with the idea of relationship with God and perhaps having good mentoring from people who have walked in that way before is to realize that... Um, it's, a, it's very much a growth process that you cannot uh, all of a sudden just uh, go from being um, a happy single to, to sort of being complete. Uh, it, it is something where you are given an opportunity to exercise faith and trust in God which a married person or a person, yeah, who, who has somebody, a lot of their hopes and their aspirations and, you know, everything is, is aimed at the other person. And a lot of that is taken away from, from your longing to, toward God. So I, I really see that. I see that in my own life um, where I've had close relationships with friends that have maybe distracted me from where God wants me to go. And I really see that a lot in, in, in my, some of my married friends too, I'm sorry to say. Yeah, so, so it seems that like it's been a process for you to, I guess, first work through just your identity in Christ and feeling inferior. And, and also seeing that, that, that it's a process for you when you're thinking about um, just your relationship with God and, and growing in that appreciation and, and realizing that maybe it's not as inferior that there's actually this advantage that you had in your relationship with God, but only that realization only coming like, you know, a couple years, years down the road. Well, it, it's an opportunity to exercise faith, yeah. to grow. And, yeah. and, you know, faith is a muscle. And all of you who work out know that when you exercise muscles, it's not necessarily a nice feeling, right? It hurts. Mm. And uh, sometimes as in other faith exercises, faith to trust God as a single person is also not easy. Mm. But that doesn't mean that it's not good for you to exercise that. Sorry, very, very quickly, let me just say one other thing. One of the myths, and of all people, it was my dad who exploded this for me. One day, I don't remember how we were talking about it, but he said, just because you are married today does not mean that when you get old, you're going to be in a family or in a relationship where you're looked after and cared for. And that really hit me because all along I've been thinking, oh, I'm scared of growing old alone. I'm scared of being you know, in an old person's home somewhere in a wheelchair and nobody looks after you. And it was absolutely true. You can be married, you can have a bunch of kids, you can even have grandkids. And for various reasons, you may still end up in a wheelchair on your own in the corner of an old people's home. And I don't, want to, I don't want to make light of that. And I think later on as we talk about what the church can do, I think the church has a huge role in caring for people, whether they were married or whether they were single. But as they get elderly, don't leave them alone. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it seems like it, if you're single, you have this opportunity to exercise that faith muscle so that when things happen further down the road, you're, you're ready. Yeah. For instance, maybe a married person may not be as aware, but hopefully more aware, we're more aware now. <laughs> uh, Ryan, maybe let's shift gears. You've talked about you know feeling inferior. You've talked about loneliness. What, and anything else in terms of your personal struggles with uh, lies about singleness? Uh, I think it's uh, you touched on it a little bit in your sermon uh, about how like culture has sort of taught us that uh, romance or sexual relations is the pinnacle of human relations, and then I think I bought into that quite. Yeah, I bought into that lie that like oh like to be fulfilled as a human being, I need to seek that uh, romantic or sexual relation, and then. Uh, then I will be a like a fuller like I will be living my purpose, but that's not the case. Um, so, actually, like, uh, yeah. So I just want to share like a few passages of scripture. So the first one is from Proverbs eighteen twenty four. Uh, it says, "A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother." And then in First Samuel chapter one twenty six, it says. Uh, I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. So, like, just from those two verses, it's like just reminding me that uh, relationships and like romance, romantic relationship is not the most important thing. And also, like, uh, intimacy is not only found in uh, having that romantic relationship with another person. But actually, like there can be more profound and deep intimacy in friendship as well. And then I think a, a final thing would be like Jesus calls us His friends as well, right? So um, Jesus, Sam Albury is a pastor, and he shares about how Jesus spills the beans. Like Jesus is like saying how, uh, like I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Like whatever the Father has um, made known to me, I have also made known to you. So it's like. Actually, finding friends who uh, spill the beans, like they know the, your soul, like that is more. You can find intimacy in that as well. Yeah. So, so I'm really, really seeing that you know God has created so many other relationships besides romantic that are meant to be part of our lives and to help us in those ways. Um, I think. Thanks for sharing, Ryan. Um, just want to say that you have been a very good friend to me. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Uh, Praise so, God, uh, praise God. Um, maybe, maybe more on that later, but, uh, <laughs> but, but, but again, moving on, um, another topic you know, from that passage was being able to devote yourselves to the Lord, especially in, in the areas of serving Him and blessing others. Um, maybe you guys can share a bit about that. You know, how do you think you've been able to serve God and bless others because of singleness? Um, maybe, Elizabeth, we'll start with you. Well, one thing I'm very grateful for now as again as I'm a little older in life but having walked a path of singleness I can turn around and encourage um, other young people uh, especially women most recently I've been uh, helping with a ministry towards single women and um, it's really good to be able to share with them uh, places that I've been and um, how God is faithful and it's, I, I was really encouraged to meet Ryan, you know, and I think the fact that uh, you've got an older woman who's single and a younger man who's single on this panel, I think that's a great, a great way to, to go. Um, because again, 
our culture and society for not just in this time and place, but around the world and in history, humankind has told a lot of lies about marriage. And marriage very often is, is thought of not as a romantic coming together of two you know, souls who are united, but it's, it's very much an economic union. It's very much something that uh, reinforces certain social structures. I won't get into all of that. But again, to be free from that, and as uh, the Apostle Paul says, to be able to really to devote yourself to the Lord, that is a gift. And again, it's a gift that you may not taste the fullness of where you are now. But again, that is a, a faith journey that um, as, you, as you walk with God down through the years, you will come to really um, experience the, the richness of that. Thanks for sharing, Elizabeth. Thoughts from you, Ryan, serving in singleness? Uh, so in my circumstances, uh, okay, so I have also been very encouraged to see, to meet Elizabeth when we were planning for beforehand, just to like talk beforehand, like to see Elizabeth. Uh, yeah, to, like I see her sort of like a pillar and like example and encourager. Um, yeah, so in my circumstance, like often like, my circumstances affect how I live based on like how I see myself. And like in the past five years or so, like, I see many friends getting married and having children, like Emery. Uh, so like, like for myself, like I've, like I've remained in a state of being single and like largely with my time, uh, like so I think how God has used my singleness is mostly my time and like my ability to like whatever talents or skill that I have. So for example, um, yeah, wherever I place myself, um, possibly to use the skill uh, to like, I'm more available. A lot of it is, yeah, my time and my ability. Um, yeah, so for example, it would be like getting groceries or like, offering to get groceries for families or married um, people who may need it. Uh, another example would be, uh, sitting down in a restaurant to listen to a three-hour sharing from a single mother who experienced physical, emotional, and spiritual abuse. Whereas, like, uh, if I was married, then I might not be able to be as available, like, in that moment, like, in the moment's notice, you just play it. Okay, I will sit down, put aside my schedule, and just sit and just listen. Um, another one would be, like, helping at EEC clinic, like, one day per week. Another one would be offering like volunteer English tutorial lessons um, to less privileged families. So it seems like you have like three full-time jobs serving <laughs> the Lord. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Uh, I guess like it's also a reminder for me to like, it's very easy, like you mentioned in your sermon, how like our gift of, like singleness is a gift and marriage is also a gift as well. And like our gifts, like our state of being single or our state and status of being married are not to be used for ourselves, but actually to serve others and to bless other people as well. It's not, yeah, it's not just self-centered. Yeah, I think, I think just Brian being the same small group as, as me, I think because almost every other day he's messaging us about somebody he's helping and to pray for them. And, and I sometimes I'm a little jealous because he's always amazing opportunities to just go out there and serve different people. And even when I reflect on his service at the church, like we actually depend on Ryan to do a lot of things. <laughs> like in the background, like he really like, whenever the leaders are asking, we need help, it's, it's always Ryan. And we sort of feel bad, but we also appreciate that Ryan has a heart to serve. 
Um, and, and that's really, we really see that gift, um, at least from my perspective. Um, all right, we're, we're, we're quickly running out of time, but one thing that I did want us to, to touch on is, is really this idea of singlehood and serving as a church community. Uh, you know, Elizabeth, can you share a little bit about you know, serving and being served in a church community? Well, I've already mentioned, I think, one ministry that church really can do uh, for people who are older and single, uh, especially if they're not in good health, is to come alongside them as a family and to help to care for them. I've been so touched and challenged by a couple that I know. Um, they have, uh, they recently told me that there was an, uh, a woman in the church that they had been, they weren't even in the same church anymore. Uh, she was in a church that they had used to attend and um, she became very, very ill and she couldn't travel by herself. Uh, her family was far away. They took her into their own home and looked after her for like six weeks and I think she was almost bedridden. Uh, and then finally they were able to take her to, to join her family when she got a little bit better. And then they cleared out her house and, and looked after it. And because the woman is a, uh, not the ill woman, but my friend is a realtor. So she was able to, to put the house on the market and, and deal with all of that. I was like stunned. I said, Helen, you and San have just been amazing. They really came alongside as family for this, for this woman. And I, I feel God has a very special reward for people like that because um, it is going beyond uh, sort of, you know, as Chinese, we emphasize family relationships so much. But don't forget, it's not blood relationships on a human level. It is the blood of Jesus that brings us together as a family. And I think uh, that is what the church can do to minister to singles. But you've already heard Pastor Evangel say that, you know, Ryan, because he's single, he's available. Uh, I, I would, yeah, I didn't mean that as a, as a pun, but it's a great joke. Yeah, that, that's not a joke. Anyway, uh, I think the opportunity for singles to serve one another as well. As I said, I'm, I'm really encouraged by the fact that EEC is sitting up, taking notice and saying, hey, you know, we've got a group of people in our midst. We need to be concerned about their their situations and their interests and their needs. And so to sort of give permission to us as singles to say, hey, reach out, uh, look around, see who you can serve, see who you can care about. Um, it's such a healthy tonic. If you feel depressed, if you feel unhappy, go look and see if there's somebody you can serve. That's a, a great way to work out of it. Thanks for sharing, Elizabeth. Uh, any, any final thoughts from you, Ryan, on this topic? How can, how can maybe meet married people and those who are not single serve, serve singles? Uh, yeah, I think uh, what uh, Elizabeth also said was very good. Um, she, yeah, I also want to remind, like, be reminded that, like, yeah, it's not so much like, oh, like now there's this highlighted group of single people that need, like, uh, extra care or, like, pity or, like, oh, I like yeah, every I need family. care too. Can you help take care of my kids? Thank you. <laughs> yeah, like, every family needs to now adopt a single person. Like, uh, I think it also works like, like vice versa as well, where, like, single people need to be aware of the needs of families as yeah. well um, to strike sort of that balance. Um, yeah, and, and I think like, one of the things that I want to share, also like read from Mark chapter 10, 
um, is something that I also find is a challenge to um, turn my heart to trust Jesus and like just repeat to myself. Uh, so Mark 10, uh, 29, 30, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands and persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. So there's a lot in that passage, but it's just like a reminder. It's like, do I as a single person um, trust Jesus in this, or do we as a church community trust what Jesus is saying uh, as well? Well, Elizabeth and Ryan, th th thanks for your time. And this is just the beginning of, of a discussion. I think there's a lot more that we can, just can share. And if you're interested, then I encourage you to join a life group um, and m more on that you know, later on. But uh, perhaps we should end, uh, end off on some prayer. I think there's been some really important points and we just want to pray so that God can lead us to, to really uh, live them out. Um, so maybe Elizabeth, if, if you could pray for some of the singles in our community who are really struggling with this. And, and Ryan, if you could pray for, for the church as a whole to really embrace singleness. And, and, and I'll end this off. Uh, let, let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this opportunity to hear from your word about what it means to be so-called single or so-called alone in this world. And as Ruth led us in singing that song, Turn Your Eyes to Jesus, I pray that you would help us who are without a human partner really to look to Jesus, to see his perfection, his completeness, his deep friendship with you, the Father, his closeness, his friendships, his closeness with those that were near to him and dear to him. Father, I pray that you would help us to soak ourselves in that and that your Holy Spirit would gently and kindly and irresistibly work in the lives of those who are, who are um, by ourselves here for the time being to make us aware of your love in a way that we never were before, that you would deepen us in that so that we might reflect something of who you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us life and breath and able to just think upon this topic of singleness, Lord. Uh, Thank you for a reminder through the Apostle Paul that um, both singleness and marriage are gifts and they are good. Um, Lord, there could be, yeah, there could be fears in, in the single person's life, uh, anxiety about old age, etc., um, insecurity, etc. God, um, we, we ask that you would remind us of your love, that you know us, you are more committed to our ultimate good than we ourselves are. Um, yeah, um, would you help EEC be the community and family that you have designed it to be um, for those who are uh, in the state of singleness, Lord, that um, they would find um, the church community to be their um, family. And would you use EEC in a way that, yeah, you have designed it to be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.